Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode two of uh, Salesforce Simplified. I'm, I'm your host, Andy Whiteside. I've got Derek Cassis with me. Derek, how's it going? Going well, going well. Good day. Uh, tell the truth. How's it going? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, good. it's going good. You know, you work from home, you got to deal with a couple uh, hurdles here and there. And so we'll, we'll, we'll do the best we can. You know, got a, an old dog and she ended up uh, she ended up getting into some stuff. So it's all good. Our, our podcast was delayed because Derek had a had a moment, and uh, all's good. Dog's fine, cleaned up enough to get through the podcast. Yes. All right, it's real life. Oh, I know what I was supposed to mention. Here's what I, here's what I meant to mention. Uh, I want to start all these podcasts, all the podcasts we do with the the tagline "Context Matters," and we'll mm-hmm. end with "Context Matters" because that's that we do these podcasts. We do these podcasts because we want people to see value in us as a partner. In this case, with Salesforce. Uh, if you're working with a partner and you're not getting the value out of Salesforce, either because of the partner or because of Salesforce or somebody's not bringing it all together, that's what we want to do. That's one of the reasons why we do this podcast. We we use blogs. Uh, we got one from Salesforce Ben today that we're going to go over around Data Cloud, and I'll hit that here in a second. But we use blogs, but then we add our context around it and our thoughts and our topics because reading this in a vacuum by yourself is one thing us talking through it and you hearing us have a conversation around it is we believe super valuable so tagline context matters that's why we do these podcasts Derek what do you think yeah I agree 100% I mean we, we need to be able to you know paint this in a picture where it makes sense and we need to you know articulate that especially with the topics that we're covering various podcasts and that's one of the reasons why, in general, I mean, you have your your bonus episodes, but in general, we do it, you know, two people do it together so you can have a discussion and people can listen, and it makes it extremely valuable when you do it that way, we believe, at least. Um, all right. Um, the blog from the day is from uh, Salesforce, Ben. It's um, – it's, uh, I've never seen this before. I heard you mention it, but I've never seen it. Yeah. And I think the uh, the title of the blog is The History and Future of Salesforce Data Cloud before we jump into uh, Ben, I guess, his blog around well, his topic. It was written by, see right next to it, Lucy. She, she's the one that wrote it. Okay. Well, tell us about the the, the site first, and then let's yeah. talk about the fact Lucy wrote this, and let's jump in and talk about it. Yeah, well, so, you know, most of the most of the Salesforce community is probably well familiar with Salesforce. Ben, um, it's, you know, website, he's a consultant, um, got a website, tons of information, blog articles, um, and... You know, it's it's an area. If you do some Google searching, more than likely, it's going to be one of the top. You know, one of the top um, results when you search for particular content or topics around Salesforce uh, products, topics, etc. And the drip is, I guess, a you know, and I, I was just kind of searching around and found this. The the drip is kind of a um, a, a piece of the Salesforce Ben company, right? Mm-hmm. So Lucy, it says here, is the founder of the drip um and she's the head of operations at salesforce ben um and she wrote this this blog and it's recent well it's recent enough right uh august 22nd of 2023 sure. and uh can you pronounce lucy's last name just to give her credit for what we're getting to review here oh, I, I hope i say it right but uh mazalon mazalon that's probably right yeah so derek uh i think you and i were at dreamforce i think that's part of what spurred this conversation all the talk at dreamforce but why this blog why today uh, why this blog from August 22nd? Yeah. So one of the, one of the things that was a center of topic at Dreamforce was data cloud it was a huge topic. Um, they announced that enterprise edition and up were getting data cloud for free. 
uh, 10,000 records credit basically is how they're doing it. And so I, you know, I, I kind of wanted to dig into that because having come from Salesforce, you know, I had kind of come across different products that did something similar. And I wanted to, I wanted to just make sure that my thought process and assumptions around what data cloud is were accurate. And so this basically answers the questions that I had. So coming out of Dreamforce, someone to talk about data cloud and some people getting it for free. And you and I were like, well, what does that mean? And, and what, uh, you know, what's the limits on that? Uh, I think you've covered that, but do it again if you, if you haven't. And then the, the opening um, paragraph or two here kind of talks about some things that uh, as to why this matters as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's so, I mean, we could dig into the, like the beginning part of the history of here, but you know, essentially data, you know, and data cloud is from a historical perspective. And I found this interesting, but it's the fastest growing Salesforce built product. Um, and that whole like Salesforce built product is interesting. Like it wasn't, it wasn't an acquisition. We all know that, you know, there's a lot of pieces of the Salesforce portfolio that are acquired Slack, right. Is uh, one of the bigger ones on um, Tableau, other pieces of that inside the platform um, are, are potentially um, pieces of acquisitions that are then folded into the platform. However, this was built kind of from the ground up um, over the past several years. And, you know, I didn't know that. Um, I thought that was kind of interesting that, you know, that was one of the uniquenesses about this. And what's also mentioned in here is that they did a survey and found that, you know, an average company has about 928 systems. Um, and a system may be just a different platform, something, right? Which means that larger companies probably have thousands, smaller companies probably have hundreds. And it's creating in today's day and age, kind of an issue with siloed data. Mm -hmm. So it's not no longer app integration, it's platform integrations, and something's got to be the thing that brings the data together. Correct, right. And And what's really driving this is AI, to be honest with you. And, you know, it's, you know, chat GPT bursting on the scene, everybody talking about generative AI and all this good stuff. You know, the, the foundation of AI is the data and having a good foundation of the data um, will allow AI to execute at full potential. And that's, you know, kind of a theme here and what's, what's mm -hmm. trying to be accomplished as far as, you know, taking separate systems and, and you find them. Is this is this a matter of giving something like your AI engine access to all these different data sets or bringing all the data sets into one place where the AI or the engine or whatever the application is uh, has a better chance of doing it quick and, and well? It's it's that it's it's they call it harmonizing the data so that you know, if you think about it, if we've got I'm just going to make it easy. If we have five different systems and your customer is represented in those five different systems um potentially have a lot of duplicate information and data you may have different customer ids and if something happens within one system does the other one know about it and can you see all of that in one place so that's where you know data the concept of it is to you is to bring all of this together unify the customer unify uh, whatever it is like whatever object or entity whether it be a customer a patient in healthcare but put that into the context so that each system can be aware of the other systems and you can then surface all of this stuff in one place. Yeah. 
So, Derek, it's the intro, and then now there's the history of Data Cloud, which I think you've kind of covered with the history of all the different products that yeah, popped but I wanna, up. And, yep. Yeah, let me just – let me dive into this real quick because I think sure. this is this was an area of confusion for me. And so it's kind of interesting, right, the history of Data Cloud. And we, we're going to go back real quick to 2020. Um, 2020, there was a product, Customer 360 Audiences, uh, which was the initial CDP, which – stands for customer data platform. Um, and so that was the initial kind of foray into this type of a product. Uh, it was then renamed in, you know, it was renamed um, a year later to Salesforce CDP. Okay. Same product, different name. We all know that that happens all the time, um, but it aligned with the market and CDP products that were out there as far as terminology goes. So you notice how now CDP is in the name of the product. The next, the next phase, and a year later, it was renamed to Marketing Cloud Customer Data Platform. That's because essentially the, the Marketing Cloud division and product suite was being renamed and there was some standardization going there. But you can tell that at this point, this solution was really geared towards marketers, right? It was geared towards the marketing folks that had to do a lot of, you know, deduping and kind of unifying of customers in different, you know, different sets of, um, you know, maybe leads and all that good stuff. It was, it was mostly in the marketing side, right? Then, you know, at Dreamforce in 2022, Salesforce announced a product called Salesforce Genie, if anybody remembers. And Salesforce Genie was the renaming of the marketing cloud customer data platform to, but it was, a, but it's not necessarily just the, the name. This is what's so interesting is that the name, as these names change, you can kind of follow the, the shift of how this technology is being used. And so now it's being, it's being named such that it's a much broader use case, right? So you no longer have marketing, the name it's Salesforce genie to signifying that shift in use cases and sales and service across the entire platform right and in this year 2023 genie the name was dropped um the mascot obviously stayed the same but that's when it became data cloud and that's kind of the evolution of that product which you know as this article points out was a pretty important um investment from a salesforce perspective but also because it's powering the like the generative ai innovations that were very prevalent at, at dreamforce 2023 yeah, I, I like it. Um, I'm sitting here thinking about the name going, uh, I like the name Data Cloud for AI and more or something, you know. Yeah, just, well, because uh, you and I, you know, we walked around, we thought of Data Cloud all at Dreamforce and, and I got it, but it just didn't pop right out to me that this was, you know, the enabler for AI. And then the minute you started talking about it a minute ago, I was like, well, of course, that's what this is. Yeah. Yep. So, so that, I mean, and, and that right there was kind of the, 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 one of, answered one of my big questions, right? So not to confuse that, you know, these are all separate products, but th these are, this is an evolution of a product that, that has, you know, evolved over time and is now a pretty important piece to this larger puzzle that we're, we're solving when it comes to leveraging data for business, data-driven businesses, AI, et cetera. So going back to our commercial about, hey, are you working with a partner that's really trying to educate you and get you up to speed? It, I don't know if you watch uh, college football, pro football on YouTube TV these days, but every time I turn it on, I'm always you know an hour late or whatever I am, always late. Uh, and it says, would you like to watch the key plays to figure out how we got here? 
I'm like, well, heck yeah, boom. Uh, that's what we do as a partner. That's why we do this podcast too, uh, so that we can try to bring some of that stuff to, stuff to the surface. Because sometimes just understanding where it came from and what the the naming things, the history of the names, it just makes it all make sense. Yeah, yeah, and it just clears it up because you know it's it's hard with the, with the renaming, and and who knows, right? It may not, it may change again. But it's important to understand right now that when we talk about Salesforce Data Cloud. Right. That's the evolution of that product. Um, that was kind of center stage at Dreamforce this year. Derek, it's not it may change. It will change. <laughs> exactly. And that's OK. They're, yeah. they're doing what they have to to get the technology in front of the people with the right name. Yeah, it's, it's just how it works. Just yep. how it works. We all can't be Coca-Cola forever. And by the way, they even try to change the name at some point. Uh, all right. Anything else around the history of Data Cloud you want to cover? Uh, no, I think that that's that was basically the. The really important piece from my perspective was just following that. Yep. Yeah. And, and and I will say actually, yeah, there is one more thing is that one of the last sentences in this um, section was, you know, Salesforce has built a general purpose data lake. Uh, and I, and I find that to be an important sentence because that's what, you know, you can think of this as is a data lake, right? You can think of it as data flowing in from not, you know, from various third-party systems, um, but it's it's tightly integrated with your CRM. Yeah. All right, so Derek, the next section says how data harmonization was achieved in the past. Uh, just like with everything else, you know, knowing the knowing the history of this is super valuable to figure out where we're going next. So how do we cover that? Yeah. So this is so I like to look at this section very similar to how you might explain how AI used to be done like 10 years ago, right? And data scientists, you know, they would spend a lot of time and very few people had access to that type of technology. And if you were to list how to do it, it would, you know, you'd have a lot of steps and it would be very difficult. Thus, a lot of people didn't use it. Um, so what this is talking about is how data harmonization was achieved in the past. And it's, you know, there's a lot of steps here, acquire a, a, a data cloud warehouse, build what they call a star schema. Uh, they go through, you know, taking an enterprise service bus that you can drill into and learn more about. Uh, that's basically, you know, the communication channels, right? ETL jobs. They're, basically what this is is showing is that it was hard to do this, right? To perform data harmonization um, was not a trivial task. And to contrast that with what you're able to do now with data cloud, it's clicking, it's declarative, meaning it's it's clicks with the mouse to map your data points between Salesforce and other systems, right? And so you're saving like massive amount of time to connect these systems. And like they give an example, you know, Google Cloud, SAP, a payment system, whatever it is you have, right? You can connect those um, in a visual way with the harmonization um, piece of data cloud and how you actually do that. Yeah. Derek, to me, that sounds like a, a see it to believe it kind of thing, which is easily demonstrable these days. Uh, I had a moment the other day where uh, I forget rocket money or something is some app they advertise all the time, time. And I saw the commercial where it actually just added all your streaming services into one place and hit a button that says, show me where I'm spending too much money. When I saw that bring that data together, that app, they brought data together. Uh, it's pulling it from all these different places versus putting it all in one place like this is, but just, just magical what that means to me from a, a consumer perspective. Yeah. And I think that, so, and what Salesforce has done is pretty smart in that, 
you know, if you've got enterprise edition or higher, you can go and provision your own data cloud. Oh, how do I do that? Okay, go to your account, go into your products, and you'll notice that there's a data cloud there for $0. You click, add it to the cart, check out. You have to, you know, fill a couple things out and, you know, in a couple hours or whatnot, you'll have access to data cloud. And that is the, the whole point, right? Now the barrier to entry to this type of technology is, you know, is completely simplified. Yeah. You don't, you don't have to hire a whole team to do this or set up a whole project, uh, you know, massive project. It's, it's within reach. But yeah. And I, what I will say though, is that while it's that easy, it doesn't remove the fact that you really, you know, you really should understand why you're doing it. Right. Um, understand where you are in the Salesforce journey, where, you know, how um, mature is your environment, do you have a lot of systems that you want to, you know, that you want to put together? Because uh, one thing you don't want to do is just, you know, set this up um, and kind of learn as you go um, in your live environment. Um, and that's kind of where, you know, partners like us come in, where we can actually sit down and do that mapping. Um, I think that's really important for for folks to understand. Yeah. Yeah. Just because it's a click away, it doesn't mean you should just do it without some pre-work. Correct. And, and, and a uh, get out of jail plan, too, by the way. Yes, absolutely. Well, what do we call that? A, uh, uh, I'm drawing a blank here, but a uh, fallback, our fallback method. It, yeah, yeah, fail safe. Um, fail safe, yeah. Yeah, and then they, you know, they show, you know, uh, and those for those that are listening can't see this, but it's a it's a capability map, and I'm a big fan of capability maps because it shows, you know, it it'll either show that you're uh, holistic across a lot of different use cases and or tactical across one use case. And what this is showing is that this solution um, is very holistic across, you know, a lot of different use cases, storage, big data engine, data transformation, et cetera. Uh, so it's very, you know, it's, it's a pretty strategic, uh, it's a pretty strategic piece of the platform. Now, is that mapping exercise and visual we're seeing on the screen here, is that part of the product or is that something you do in parallel? Well, this is just, so capability mapping is something that a lot of the Salesforce technical architects will do with customers. Mm -hmm. um, and what they're showing here is they're just artic articulating what, where this plays. So for example, you know, where you see the, where you see the product circle icons, that means that certain products and the key up is up at top, mm -hmm. you know, where the products play, right. Showing that they've got solutions across all of these pieces. Is what it is. Awesome. So this is awesome. this is a part of the product. It's a visual. It's a visual guide to help you understand where these products fall. Well, and that's another opportunity to do a little a brief commercial here. We are following Salesforce's services consulting services methodology. So if you're working with us, you're going to get this type of capability mapping as part of your engagement. Yeah, yeah. Capability mapping is a really is a really useful tool that I don't think is used enough, but. Yeah. yeah, that's basically what that was showing. Um, All right, so the next section talks about Salesforce Data Cloud differentiators. You want to cover that? Yeah. So, and it, you know, I, I think I mentioned this, but it's it's pre-wired to the uh, to the Salesforce objects, meaning that, um, it, you know, the standard objects are available right there, so that you don't have to you don't have to bring that whole schema in. Uh, essentially, what it looks like is you know you'll have, for example. You may have 
uh, instead of account ID, it may be, you know, AID or ACT ID or some other field name coming from a third party system. And you can basically connect that to the appropriate field on the CRM side so that it understands that it's the same account. It's the same person. Um, and it's all pre-wired, right? And that's the whole point of it's easy and you don't have to do all the schemas for everything. Um, and, you know, that's the, the other interesting thing here for industries is, you know, I, I come from a background in health and life sciences where I where I was with Salesforce, you know, so you've got health cloud and the health cloud data model. Um, the industry, you know, it's supporting uh, a handful of these already, the, the, the industry data models, right? So that, you know, that goes into the concept of, all right, if you're bringing things in from a third party solution uh, and you've got a patient, well, now you can start, you know, matching that stuff up as well. And then, you know, I'm going to skip down to the trust layer. This was something that was announced at Dreamforce as well, the Einstein trust layer. And this is where we get into, okay, this is all great. We've got this AI, we've got, you know, generative, but how do we protect this? Um, and so the Einstein trust layer is, you know, how Salesforce is addressing that, where you're able to mask particular information so it doesn't get thrown into large language models. You're able to mask um, that data so that you understand what is and is not being used uh, for particular AI features. Oh, that's awesome. And and necessary, very necessary. Yes, 100%. Yeah. Uh, anything else in this section, Derek? I think that's that's it. I mean, we I didn't get to too much. Prompt engineering is another bullet there, um, but that's probably a topic for another day. I mean, prompt is really all around, you know, how you, you know, how you interact with these AI models. Um, prompt engineering is another whole section. Um, and so I will just say that, you know, Prompt Studio is something that was announced at Dreamforce, which is going to allow admins to create user prompts, right? So, and what that means is like, what are you asking for? And that's them interacting with these generative AI solutions. Um, that's kind of a TBD that's not out yet, I don't believe. Uh, but that's going to be baked in as well uh, to the to the data cloud. And the other thing that's not really mentioned here, but I know you can do this, is you can trigger uh, in data cloud on on data events. So if if it notices a change in data, I can trigger a flow within Salesforce to do something. And that you know anybody that knows flow, you can start thinking about all the things you could possibly do when data changes automatically. Yeah. yeah. And not only that, but you know. Yes, generative AI, great. You still have it in most cases, in many cases, at least for a little while, or maybe forever. That that human interaction and how to how to get it going in the right direction, so that you can then take the output and do whatever the human needs to do with it. Yep. Uh, all right. Next section talks about the uh, future of data cloud. Um, just kind of tell us what they're covering here, and then jump into these individual callouts if you want. Yeah, so like we said, it's been it's been two years, you know, it's been since 2020 um, with different releases and updates and names. And you know that, you know, Salesforce does releases three times a year. Um, one that just went out recently in October, winter 20, winter 24, um, or winter 20, yeah, winter 24. Um winter 23. Gotta get my years mixed up. But so Essentially, what this is calling out is, you know, where is this going, right? Where, what can we expect? I, I, I you know, mentioned the prompt suite. Uh, so Einstein GPT is something that, um, you know, we need to keep an eye on because, 
you know, you know, just as well as I do, Andy, when we were at Dreamforce, there was a whole lot of um, generative AI capabilities that were, are, and being baked into this, to this product. Um, so, you know, Einstein GPT is something that I think most people are going to want to look into as far as how it can enable their sales, you know, their sales force, their sales reps and whatnot um, that are leveraging the CRM. Like I mentioned, data cloud for industries. So I think that's going to continue to mature um, to, to cover more industries as time goes on. Uh, and then it calls out uh, closing the skill gap, which I thought was interesting. And this is all about, okay, this is great, but we're starting to get into some new areas. I mean, I even heard at Dreamforce, like a new a new job role, prompt engineering is, has been born. Um, that's mm -hmm. pretty interesting, right? And so this is just talking about the skills that are required uh, to manage and maintain the things that we've talked about, developer skills, you know, for implementing and updating events that are coming into the data cloud, uh, data management skills, analyst skills. And I mean, this again, you know, is where I think, you know, partners like ourselves and the partner ecosystem can really help customers, um, you know, so from a skill gap perspective, you know, this is, this is where, you know, getting, getting us involved or talking with um with somebody early in this you know in the process of this so that you understand where you are where you want to be where you're going um to call these skill gaps out early is important right and to the point where it's essentially a full-time role on the prompt engineer side like uh, you call my attention big time when you start talking about a prompt engineer role like what what would that person do yeah, so it's 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 really about how you're interacting with the AI, and and I'll be honest, I mean that's a that's a whole area that I'm not, I mean it's new, right? So I'm not as familiar with prop engineering myself yet. So it's it's exciting, and I think that's the you know anybody that works in you know in this type of field and whatnot, we all know that you know what we did ten years ago is <laughs> is not necessarily used today. What's new today is you know is new, so you gotta you gotta catch up and. But from a from a perspective of like prompting, I mean, that's, you know, that is how you interact. My understanding is how we're going to interact with these AI models and generative AI models. Um, for example, instead of pulling up, you know, pulling up ChatGPT and saying, you know, you know, write me a message, right? It's going to write something really random and generic. But if I said, I really would like a message written about, Salesforce data cloud so that I can understand it and explain it to a seven-year-old right now. You've actually, I've given it a lot of information, right? And that's the, that's kind of a prompt for the AI model. And so the more information, the more information you feed into these, the more accurate and actionable the response from these tools are going to be. And that's going to be, that's the human, human skill, but somebody needs to help teach, educate, transition, translate. Yes. The, the, yep. the human's lack of knowing what to put in versus the tool's ability to produce it. Um, all right, anything else on this section around the future data cloud? I think that's you know that's that's it for that. I mean, I think we covered most of that area just to understand you know again you know the Einstein GPT stuff, the data cloud for industries, the gaps was really what that section's talking about. Okay, so it. Goes this goes to this point now. Sorry for all the <laughs> trying to get the words out. Uh, summary: Like, 
what does this mean after reading this blog? Where is this going? What should happen next? Yeah. So, you know, and they mentioned in this, in this article that, you know, data cloud could be described as the Holy grail of CRM. It's a pretty, pretty bold statement um, in that the data problem that's been there for a long time is solvable. And so the data problem being that we've got data silos and, you know, right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing and, or you're managing different environments with duplicate data. Uh, you don't have a true end to end vision of your customers, right? That, that is where we're at right now. And I, you know, I suggest everybody, um, you know, at least get educated enough so that you understand, you know, what data cloud could potentially do for your business, uh, how you could leverage it. Uh, obviously there's, you know, you could reach out, reach out to us. You could go out and uh, take, you know, trailhead. There's a lot of resources out there to, you know, kind of get, you know, get your foot in the water on this. Uh, but this is going to be a foundational piece of what they're calling the Einstein one platform, uh, which you know, as we as we progress and we start adding all these capabilities to the Salesforce um, platform, you know, the Einstein One platform, Data Cloud is going to be right at the center. Yeah. Well, you you brought up several times in our conversations, you know, that um, uh, crypto and uh, blockchain was all the rage a couple of years ago. Um, so whether you know AI, you know, comes and goes. Uh, without a doubt, what Salesforce is doing here around getting data in a centralized, manageable, usable location, that is a guaranteed thing that has to continue to evolve. Absolutely. Right. Uh, I mean, if you want to like compete with what the expectations are from a perspective of customers and where we're at today, you know, I, you've got to be able to know and all touch points. You need to be able to know that. And the only way to do that is to be able to combine all the touch points from various systems, unless you're using one system, which as I mentioned, nobody's using one system, right? Yeah. 900 plus thousand plus. I mean, there's multiple systems. So that's, that's where we're at. And that's, that's not going to change, but harmonizing this so that you can actually leverage the data, embrace the AI um, to a point where it's actually, you know, enabling your business is is where we're at with this and it's, it's exciting i think this is a really interesting piece um and a really interesting addition to an already impressive suite of tools that um, salesforce has they're in an interesting spot they have all this uh customer and user data and you know like you said companies that are have tried to use one platform know that they can't a lot of companies have just given up on the idea and they're they got the sprawl going on uh and that, that may happen by business unit, may happen by department, may happen by both. Um, you know, the, the centralized data lake concept that's, you know, there and, and ready to be consumed by things like AI and other Salesforce related products and third parties. Like, okay, I didn't ask that. Other, once you have data cloud, what stops other platforms or products from using this data cloud? Nothing really, right? No. But even, yeah. so, I mean, so the data cloud is integrated into the, like, if you look at an architectural diagram of the Salesforce platform, Einstein one platform, it's in the middle, it's in the center part. So it, it's essentially provisioned into your Salesforce org and it 
is the traffic cop out to the third-party products. The third-party product isn't going to be able to pull, you know, like that that schema in a third-party product is doesn't know about data cloud. Data cloud knows about it. Right. That makes sense, right? Um, and there's other, you know, there's other solutions out there, like we mentioned, that do this, right? There's manual solutions out there. You can do your own data lake. Um, so this isn't the end all be all, but from a perspective of Salesforce, if you've got the CRM, I mean, this is a no brainer to, um, to many. Right. And the, the exciting thing too, is that, you know, we Integra, I mean, we are going to go down this path as well. Right. So as time goes on, you know, we'll probably have future podcasts to update kind of where we're at on that journey that we talked about. So, yeah, we didn't say that in the commercial, but with almost all products that we, consult around we use them and we are a working example of what to do in some cases what not to do but you know things that can be shared with customers who are in the same boat yeah uh and on that note uh we've got our own nonprofit. we've got to move from success cloud to nonprofit cloud at some point you mentioned that data cloud might be the key element um uh to be determined right yeah tbd on that um you know, doing a little bit of research on, you know, where we're at with nonprofit cloud and, and whatnot. So there's still a couple of things to, to iron out on that. I know nonprofit cloud is, is fairly new, uh, but, you know, from my perspective, the, you know, the data cloud is, is important in almost all aspects of what you're doing. I mean, unless you, unless you really don't have, unless you have everything in Salesforce and that's it. Yeah. Right. Then it would, and you know, you don't have the need to harmonize data from other areas. And then this is a, this is a solution that needs to be looked at. Well, but like in this case, if you had everything in Salesforce, which there may be some nonprofits that got on board early and put everything there, but they now have to move to nonprofit cloud, they still have the problem. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and that's a that's the, you know a topic for another another session for um for us to dig into. But yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see where, you know. Because we all know, right? In the beginning, in the beginning stages of some of these things, the use cases are what you think they are. And then what happens is people start using it, and all of a sudden you realize people are using it in different ways. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to see what those different ways are. And I think one of those different ways could be assisting in what you just said, right? Assisting in some of the the nonprofit area. How about this? There, the only thing consistent is change. Yes. And the only reality around that is the data that was part of the the pre before the pre before the pre is still relevant if you know how to put it in somewhere you can use it and how to leverage it. Yep, exactly. It, it, that data is always valuable if you have it where you need it. It's like uh, I just moved. I got a ton of stuff in a storage unit right now. I start to think about what I need. I don't have the storage unit organized to the point where I can find stuff. So I might as well not even have it at this point. Yeah, you can't get to it. You don't know where it is. It's not organized, right? So it's yeah, it would take you. It would take you forever to get the stuff you need. That's exactly. That's the same thing with all with the separate systems, right? Yeah. But I, I will change. I will add this to it, and maybe this is where I'm at. Fifty years old, gotten smarter. Um, it, it's a single storage unit. It's a big storage unit. I left space to walk through the storage unit, and instead of putting things in brown boxes, they're in clear plastic storage containers. Right. So you. So what that shows is that you know that you need a better system. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. You know that you need a better system to help you find the stuff, but you're still having to go and find the stuff. Yeah. And I'm going to go organize it again at some point soon and, and put things by buckets. And but I'll be able to see into the containers versus trying to read the marker 
you know, writing on the side of it, which probably wasn't right anyway. But then, but then what happens though, when somebody else walks in there and doesn't understand the way that you organized it, right? Do they understand what's what and what's where? That's, that's the interesting part of that too, right? Is that, you know, the, the goal is to harmonize and get data to a point where it's just usable and consumable from the folks that want to use it. I mean, quite frankly, it, it shouldn't matter how that's done for somebody that's using it. Just like, you know, in your example, that system works great for you. But, so, you know, if I walked in there, I may not know what's what. Yeah, it's part of the part of the process. Yep. Well, Derek, appreciate you doing this on a Friday afternoon. Uh, we we. um you know, wanted to get this one done. We didn't want to skip a week on this uh, Salesforce podcast because it's uh, it's paramount to what we're doing. It's uh, paramount to the business you're building. And we know, no, 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 there's a ton of customers out there that need Salesforce help that uh, the way we do it, it's going to be different and uh, we're going to be able to help them. Yeah. Yeah. These are, these are good. These are fun. I mean, we're all learning on some of the new stuff as we go. And, you know, this is, um, this is just going to continue. We're going to keep going through these things and hopefully, hopefully, you know, we might've solved or answered a couple questions to, to the, you know, some people listening to this. Um, that would be great. Right. Cause that's what we're trying to do is, is like the title, simplify some of this stuff. Sure. All right, Derek, I know you don't have a great answer to this one. When is your next um, Salesforce specific, what we call blueprint lunch user peer discussion um, event coming up. I, I know you got a bunch that are going to come up as you start to uh, have these on the calendar. I want to you know, highlight them. The, yeah. So it's, they're all going to kick off next year. Um, you know, and we're, you know, we're targeting areas, you know, like Charlotte, North Carolina, Greensboro, North Carolina, Raleigh, uh, New York, Florida, um, you know, just to name a few, but they're getting scheduled right now. And, you know, I'm looking forward to getting those things on the calendar and booked and, you know, start getting some folks signed up for them. Yeah. I'm excited about it. It, it will essentially be our version of a Zintegra Salesforce specific user group thing. And that's not to diminish the Salesforce user group. We're going to participate in those and encourage people to go to those, but we're going to, we're going to do more and we're going to do them, you know, focused around topics and around people talking about those topics openly with each other. It's going to be, it's going to be fun. Yeah. And I mean, real quick on that. I mean, the cool part of this is that, uh, you know, what I enjoyed the most at Dreamforce is the peer-to-peer discussions, right? Talking with other people that are there and learning about what they're doing and how they're solving. And that's, what's going to happen at these events. Let's get, let's get folks in a room together. Let's start talking through how somebody's solving one issue. What's use case are you using this for? And yeah. let's, let's continue that, you know, that community that you saw and everybody that goes to Dreamforce sees. Let's continue that throughout the year at different events. Yeah. The, the, the products, these platforms are limitless, like literally limitless, but the conversations that need to happen in parallel are also limitless. Yeah. All right, sir. Have a good uh, have a good weekend, and we'll do it again right. next week. Sounds good.